I would like to say that upon hearing the theme for this month, my first response was one of anticipation or inspiration or celebration of probably the most important human capability of all, compassion. All you need is love. Lean on me. From you I receive, to you I give. Together we share, and from this we live. Compassion is where it's at. It's where everything starts and ends. It is indeed what the world needs. But the truth is, before my consciousness could correct my sub or unconscious, before my better self could throw an encouraging arm around the shoulders of my more self-absorbed self, before I had time to wonder about what I should feel, I have to admit that what I did feel was tired. Isn't that awful? I mean, it's not like I am in danger of winning any Humanitarian of the Year award. It's not like I am working night and day on securing human rights or providing health care to people in need or providing ongoing support to marginalized communities or individuals living on the edge of this society's rapidly shrinking center. I engage with some of those things some of the time in my work as a minister and in my capacity as an individual citizen and fellow human who cares, but enough to be tired, to feel exhausted just hearing the word compassion. Where is that coming from? First of all, I want to say compassion fatigue is a real thing sometimes experienced by people who are responsible for consistently caring for other people over a significant period of time, especially in traumatic or chronic situations. I do not in any way mean to diminish or dismiss this reality. And there is help and therapy specifically directed to those who are experiencing this. Some of you may be in that situation. And I would welcome the opportunity to hear what you are experiencing and hopefully directing you to the help and support that is available. But I think this phrase, compassion fatigue, has sometimes been broadened beyond people in those specific situations to include those experiencing that syndrome experienced by a vast number of us when we measure the amount of pain, suffering, and injustice in the world against our own individual capabilities, resources, and reach. The recognition in this age of global connection and instantaneous communication that what the world needs vastly outweighs our capacity to address it, to heal to help, to fix, such that we feel exhausted, not from the things we have done and are doing, but from the things we feel need to be done and that further we have no hope of ever being able to do. Because I know that many of you are finding wonderful, powerful, creative ways in these particularly challenging times to be of use. This is not about that. 
feeling legitimately tired from the things we have done or are doing is a vastly different experience than the exhaustion that comes from feeling defeated by all that we suspect needs to be done. People ask me and have asked me even more often recently, what can I do? What can I do that will be meaningful, effective, helpful? And Lord knows there is an abundance of ideas and su suggestions and guidance about things one can do to support Black Lives Matter, to support immigrant rights, to support marginalized populations and individuals without homes, to support prison and police reform, to support efforts to address climate change, and on and on, ways to engage on a number of levels for people in a variety of circumstances and with a variety of abilities and resources. But I began to understand that pointing toward these opportunities did not always answer the question. I was not really hearing the question. The question, it seems to me, noticing the way it arises within me at times and doing my best to trace it back to its source, the question often arises from this fatigue that happens when one is feeling overwhelmed. It is not always a practical question. What can I do? It is sometimes an existential question. What can I do? It is a rhetorical question. I have already answered it. What can I do? Nothing. Or at the least, not enough. Not enough really to help. But I have chosen to leave that answer camouflaged in the form of a question. It reminded me for a while when I was a child my mother required me to help clean the house on Saturday mornings before I could go out and play. One of my regular duties was dusting all of the furniture. Chairs, end tables, TV cabinets. On more than one Saturday morning, I would cry out that I could not find the furniture polish, lemon pledge, I believe it was, that I could not find the dust cloth that she wanted me to use. Mom, I don't know where it is. What do you want me to use? Now, I can't imagine that the furniture polish or dust cloths moved locations from week to week, but each week I seemed incapable of finding the tools to carry out my job. The truth was, as you may have guessed, I was not actually asking practical questions. Where is the furniture polish? Where is the dust cloth? I was giving voice to the existential anxiety that has been with us since time began. Why dust the furniture anyway? What is this dusting for? The dust will only return over and over, on into eternity, relentless in its invasion of whatever services I have cleaned, mocking each swipe of my cloth, laughing scornfully at each ineffectual spray of my lemon pledge. 
Indeed, I and you and everyone living will someday return to dust and just become part of the very problem that you are asking me to take on, armed only with an aerosol can and a square of fabric. What can I do? I suffer more than Sisyphus. Who will rescue me from this endless cycle of futility? You see, I was not in search of the lemon pledge. I could find that. I was in search of the furniture polish with a magical lemon scent that would not only address the dust presently on the surface of this captain's chair, but whose deadly-to-dust aroma would persist throughout time, causing armies of dust motes to draw back in fear and retreat from our household, marking this as forbidden territory unto the third and fourth generations of dust. I was not in search of the dust cloth. I could find that. I was in search of the cloth that wiped not only the dust presently on the surface, but that would magically wipe out any future possibility of dust on the surface, that wiped so cleanly that any dust moat which sought to land would find itself sliding off not only onto the floor, which would only lead to another chore, vacuuming or mopping. No, dust moats would find themselves sliding off into an alternate reality another dimension where maybe dust could settle undisturbed by human hands. I wasn't heartless, after all, or maybe into a state of blissful non-being. Though I was asking about the location of the furniture polish and dust cloths, I was really asking why dust existed at all. Railing against the responsibility to remain ever vigilant against its return, and questioning my participation in what I perceived as futile attempts to combat its unpleasant manifestations. I was tired of dusting before I had even begun, exhausted almost past my ability to carry on in the work before me, though my mother made sure that I eventually engaged the task at hand. And I know it may sound silly to talk about dusting furniture in context with what is happening around us. And I do not mean to trivialize the challenges we now face, the pain that is inflicted and endured, the suffering that we've witnessed, the healing that is called for. I only mean to bring this syndrome to my own awareness, this process which depletes my energy and calls my attention to all that I think needs to be done and all that I cannot do, thus rendering me too tired and discouraged to do the things that I can do. You see, there is a way in which I want to engage only in those tasks from which I will see specific and significant results that I want to th fix things once and for all. And if I can't do that, I throw my hands up in the air in frustration and give up. But that is not the way that life works. We don't and can't know for sure the outcome of our actions, the way our actions ripple across the interdependent web of all existence. Injustice 
racism, sexism, greed, violence, abuse, fear, hatred, insecurity, selfishness, scapegoating, irresponsibility, denial, discrimination, destruction, dust. It's dust. They are like dust. We don't get to just clean them away once and for all. They will be with us as long as humans are with us, which means we must be ever vigilant, which means we will not ever fix this for all time, and thus are ever responsible for consistently and conscientiously taking care of one another, for noticing suffering, for feeling with those who are suffering, and for responding appropriately, finding out what that really means in any given circumstance and following through. This means we have no time to spend bemoaning all that should be done which we cannot do, leaving us tired before we begin. Dust is in the air. It is all around us. It does not pause in its process. But there is something else which is ever-present and available to us. Compassion. Love. Not just the feeling, but the practice, the awareness, the noticing. Willing to be present to suffering and sometimes in our inability to do anything about it but to be present. To sometimes give up even on our notions of doing something about it. My fix-it attitude, that triumphalist notion of winning a war on fill-in-the-blanks, poverty, drugs, terrorism, discrimination, that may just be another unfortunate manifestation of white supremacy, imagining that we will conquer once and for all, win the war, we'll build a land. Our culture has trained us so thoroughly in the tenets of individualism and private property that we sometimes look at compassion as something we have which we can then give. And this can lead to the illusion that Brene Brown speaks of. If we have it and give it, aren't we in danger of running out of it? But empathy is not finite, she writes, and compassion is not a pizza with eight slices. When you practice empathy and compassion with someone, there's not less of these qualities to go around. There's more. Love is the last thing we need to ration in this world. Love is the last thing we need to ration in this world. Compassion is not something we have, but something in which we can participate. We'll build a land? Build? Yes. Ambitious people climb, but faithful people build, Julia Ward Howe wrote in her diary. Build? Yes. But I must realize that I am only joining a construction team with billions of other people, construction that has been going on long before I arrived and will continue long after I am gone with new architects and new architectural drafts being created all the time, pointing out structural weaknesses, opening access from new 
directions, increasing air circulation, installing windows and doors and entries where there were none before. There is no once and for all we have finished. There is the only the work. There is only the work. And the work is compassion. Compassion is not something we have, but something in which we participate. Love does not belong to us. We belong to love. We belong to the love. What can I do means how can I participate today? How can I join in the work? When I feel overwhelmed by the many things that there is to care about, I can choose to care about one thing deeply. And if it's true that everything is connected, and it is true that everything is connected, and we are part of an interdependent web of all existence, if it's true that everything is connected, then caring deeply about one thing will necessarily lead me to other things, to all things, to being aware of things I did not see before. For just as noticing things and people and systems and situations can lead me to care, caring about things and people and systems and situations can lead me to notice what I have not noticed before. It is not up to me to do it all, but it is my responsibility to do what I can do knowing that I am joining in the work with others and that differences are made and lives are changed by the ripples that move across this interdependent web. Things happen that I will maybe never know or see, but in which I have participated. And then I feel less tired. And then I see that more dust has settled near me and I grab a cloth. And then I feel empathy for others and compassion too for myself. And then I know I can go on.